So that is why for fixing, we need to work at the macro level by endorsing the policies, by changing the narrative, and at the individual level, by having the dialogue on dignified menstruation. And that dialogue have to start it by the men. This is Feminist Talk with Nanda. In this podcast, I will share my feminist thinking and doing through personal storytelling. I hope listening to this will expand your understanding on feminism so that we can all learn that feminism is for everyone. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Feminist Talk. Today we are going to talk about dignifying menstruation and why it matters. With us, we have a very special guest, Radha Podil. Radha Podil is a nurse, an author, an activist and a founder of Global South Coalition for Dignified Menstruation, GSCDM. The campaign of Dignified Menstruation is moving forward through eight different chapters, namely Australia, Philippines, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, UK, Uganda, and North America chapter. She is the initiator to mark the International Dignified Menstruation Day for 8 December as a day of 18 days of activism and also working the three days December 8 to 10 international workshop on dignified menstruation along with the Ministry of Women, Children and Senior Citizen. Hello Radha Didi, welcome to Feminist Talk. Since we first met in Nepal last year, we haven't stopped talking about dignified menstruation. I care about this particular issue as much as you do. Can you tell me what is dignified menstruation? and why it is important. Namaste. Very good morning, Nanda and everyone from Nepal. Thank you very much for having me. It's a great honor and I'm humbled. Dignified menstruation is simply dignity of menstruators during menstruation and throughout the life cycle. In other words, or in simple way, there is no differences between 25 days and five days. I always define like this. Dignified menstruation is a state of free from any kind of abuse, taboos, stigma, restriction, discrimination associated with menstruation. At the deeper level, I always define by three P's. First, principally, principally, we all have to consider menstruation through the lens of human rights. Practically, we need to address all immediate and long-term negative consequences from the menstrual restriction from home to tomb. Or we need to work together different sectors like health, education, human rights, water and sanitation, environment, to assure the dignity during menstruation. Third P is power, reconstruction of the power. Since childhood, the power construct, the girls without having menstruation, they considered impure, powerless, inferior because of the menstruation. They know something about menstruation from their mothers, aunties, sisters in neighborhood. So they consider themselves as a very uh, inferior, powerless. At the meantime, boys consider themselves as a pure, privileged, powerful, superior than girls. Eventually, girls converted as a victim or survivor and boys converted as a perpetrators or rapists. So we socialize or we are producing victims and rapists. So we need to change the construction of the powers inside you. That means we need to discuss or have a dialogue on 
mensuration since childhood. This is how I define. Regarding to your second question, why it is matters? It's a long story. About 40 years back, I knew or I learned mensuration is a course from the God, from my mom. That was first striking or traumatic experience on mensuration in my life. I did not see a single value to live or to born as a girl. Further, I also witnessed more than 40 types of restrictions related with the food or eating, touching, mobility or participation from my three sisters and mother and neighborhood. Every day, I, I started to see myself as a very uh, inferior, very powerless and lesser value than men or sometimes even like an animal. That kind of feeling was killing me or in other words, I wanted to die, die every day. I have a, I had living with two minds and hearts. Constantly I was thinking how could I die or how could I um, die and born as a boy? That was my um, uh, question that time. And at the age of nine, I left home for committing suicide. Somehow it could not happen. But I constantly am living with that traumatic experience. And at the age of 14, I had a first menstruation. I left home without permission of my parents or in other words, I ran away from the house in order to avoid all kinds of restrictions what my three sisters and mother were followed. I returned home at the fifth day of my menstruation. And I constantly struggling myself. I constantly uh, living with the traumatic experience, terrorizing experience from the menstruation. And at the age of 16, I went to the nursing college. I knew about anatomy, physiology, and the essence of the menstruation. Since that day, I considered myself as a very powerful, very pride being a born, born as a girl child. And this is how I started to speak up um, about menstruation. During these days, I did not know about advocacy, about human rights. I only know the powerful and powerless. This is all about dignity. And till date, in the beginning, I was thinking it was only in my house or later it was only in my community. But when I did a bachelor degree, um, I knew that it was across the country. And beyond that, I found there are so many practices um, uh, about menstruation in Africa, in Asia and in other countries. So right now, in a more than 30 years of course, I knew that the menstrual restriction, taboo, abuses, stigma, whatever you define, is not only the issue of the poor countries or developing countries or Asia or Africa. It is practicing across the globe, regardless of the class, caste, religion, region, with the differences of forms, names, uh, degrees, and private versus public. This is how 
I see dignity of minstrels is a core value. I often think, I often question myself, why did we, I mean, we means the activists, scientists, social scientists, 70 years back, 60 years back, they came up with the word of gender, gender responsive, gender lens, gender policy. Why were they talk directly about the menstruation? Menstruation is not only the five days bleeding, it is throughout the life cycle, home to tomb. It has a very strong connection with the politics, economics, culture, health, education, environment, everywhere. But why this issue, this uh, biological phenomena, ignored by um, sideline and only discussed from the perspective of the medicine? Why it is not seen from the perspective of the social theory? So that was the striking uh, question. And every day I'm learning and I, I, I'm, I'm trying to push the agenda of dignity of menstruators during menstruation and beyond. In your opinion, what seems to be the root causes of ongoing acceptance on menstrual taboo as a traditional value? Why do you think it's so hard to change people's mindset? Like you said, for an example, is it the vague language that we have been using throughout the history by activists and scientists uh, about menstrual issues? And, you know, for example, one of the example in Myanmar is that Nepali people in Myanmar are struggling to let go of these traditional practices because they think that if they, if they let go of this harmful practice, they would it's like letting go of their identity and i know you already said do you think menstruation is still an issue in poor country like us in nepal thank you actually menstrual taboos discrimination restriction abuses it is practicing across the globe let me give one example in canada just last year they did one research and 68 percent uh, menstruating girls and women did not like to go to the public life. I mean, they don't like to go to the school, they don't like to go to the office because of fear of leaking. And if you see the age, the girls or trans men queer below the 25 years, the percentage will increase. It goes like 83% in Canada. In Australia, out of 10, eight menstruating girls hesitate to go to, buy, to the shop to buy the uh, menstrual product. So these are the examples that even the developed countries have been practicing some sort of taboos, stigma, restriction during menstruation or associated with the menstruation. Let me give another example. While the global community using sanitary pad instead of menstrual pad or menstrual product. The menstrual blood is not like other kind of dot. Or menstrual product or pad is not like a soap or, or herpic or choline or something which we use for the um, uh, making uh, sanitize. Or menstrual blood is not dirty. Why they use the sanitary pad instead of the menstrual pad? Why the people are using the word of the period instead of the menstruation? Period has so many meaning. It is for the session, for the cycle, for the for for other region. 
right? If we talk directly, menstruation, it is easier to understand. It is easier to break the silence. It is easier to explore the knowledge about it. So globally, we keep using, especially the developed country, keep using the word of the hygiene, feminine product, hygiene product or sanitary product, um, period, that kind of alternative words for the menstruation. And even while advertising the uh, menstrual product, they use the liquid, uh, blue liquid instead of the red. And I, I'm a nurse, I never seen blue uh, color up for the um, color of the blood. So these are the peculiar examples of ignorance or silence or taboos around menstruation globally. Globally, if you see the history 200 years back, 150 years back, or if you go like the Aristotle times, the menstrual blood considered as an impure, dirty, or magical blood, and always uh, considered as, as something, something different. And when the science and technology evolved, um, the uterus, the, the female body, get less priority compared to the main body. The scientists more focus on the brain, the heart, the lungs, the bone, the kidney, but uterus got attention only in the early 90s. This is how the menstruation, the uterus, the female body overall um, get uh, got less priority. And then um, while talking about the menstruation, even in the medical field, it it, it considered as a, is a um, lesser or impure or dirty or something uh, taboo. That is why it doesn't get the attention. And to me, even today, I, I, I see the three points, especially three points. The first is ignorance. The second is silence. The third is the religious religion. When there is ignorance, when there is a pile of uh, the rumors, myth, restrictions, or so many fake, fake uh, information, and no one likes to use it, no one dare to speak about it, and it automatically connected with the culture, religion, and oh, this is this is the gods uh, say, if you don't uh, follow the restriction, your family god will get angry, and then um, your family members will get sick, your husband will die, or, or the lifespan of the your husband uh, will decrease, that kind of... Um, uh, stories uh, um, evolved and it's not only the issue of the Nepal or Myanmar or, or South Asia. If you go to the Argentina, if you go to Chile, if you go uh, Brazil or, or Peru or um, uh, even US, um, uh, Ghana, uh, Nigeria, Tanzania, I have so many friends and we also keep doing the research, the interaction programs and everywhere menstruation considered impure. Not only the Hindu religion, all four major uh, religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, Muslim, Christian, all four religions consider menstruation in a way or another around as impure, as a dirty. And this is how um, people are get scared. There is a fear inside the people, no matter whether they are educated or not, whether they are uh, living in developed country or the developing country, there is a, some level of the fear, some level of ignorance, some level of silence, some level of 
uh, scared. That is why they don't like to talk about it. And many, if you go through the literature or, or if you Google it, um, everywhere uh, you can see the old tradition, century-based Hindu old tradition. That kind of thing can be seen uh, in in uh, media, in research. But this is absolutely wrong. Not only in Nepal. Why, let's say in Pakistan and, and Bangladesh and Indonesia, where the most of the people um, uh, follow the Muslim religion. And there is an issue in Cambodia, in, in, in um, Laos, in Vietnam, they don't talk about the menstruation. In Philippines, the Christian dominant country, uh, they, they, they have so many um, uh, myths and taboos. During the first menstruation, uh, um, uh, the girls have, have to jump uh, the stairs. So based on the jumping times, her menstrual means bleeding days determine. And uh, if uh, the first menstrual uh, bleeding panty or undergarment, if she used that, material for her face, she, she, she would free from the acne or pimples. So see, that kind of remorse myth um, is practicing everywhere and nowhere we are talking. We talk, we are so vocal. We means the global community are so vocal on sexual and reproductive rights. And we talk about the family planning, safe abortion, um, maternal and child health, uterus prolapse, breast um, cancer, but where is the menstruation? Menstruation is an entry point, is a door, and no one likes to talk. In sexual and reproductive health spectrum, the menstruation is like everywhere, and in other words, there is nowhere. There is no independent element, and no one likes to talk about it. Without knowing menstruation, without having the confidence, without having the agency, without without caring, loving your, your body, how the girls or menstruators can say, oh, I, I'm, I'm ready to have the uh, partner or have the sex or this is my unsafe uh, uh, sex. I, I need to do the safe abortion. How they can talk about it? How they can choose the uh, uh, contraceptive? How, how they can decide the um, marriage? Globally, the sustainable development goals, they more focus on the uh, eliminating child marriage. Yesterday is an international uh, uh, child uh, children's uh, right day. And every, I saw so many uh, international organizations organizing the eliminating child marriage uh, um, work or interaction or, or programs. But without talking menstruation, how could we prevent or eliminate the child marriage? There is a strong connection to build the agency, to, to build the confidence, to build the self-esteem, and to build the um, bargaining capacity. The goals who cannot say no with their brothers, with their fathers at home. Now, how could they say no with their partners and their uh, husband or their co-workers their co at office and they can uh, prevent um, from any kind of sexual and gender-based violence? Globally, the house is the most unsafe place. It has proven by many research. And the most common perpetrators are the non-family members. That means father, uncle, brothers, or someone in the family or, or neighborhood. And if they are not able to, or not practicing say no since childhood, how could they say no in future? So that is why 
there is a deep silence, deep ignorance, and just for the excuses, they link with the religion. And the religion, no one say, this is the religion, Hindu religion, Muslim, Christian, Buddhism religion, and these are the good thing, let's, let's strengthen this kind of practices, and those um, religion or those practices which are not empowering or disempowering us or, or dehumanize us, let's abolish or let's change the narratives of that kind of statement in our religion, who, who uh, dare for saying or doing that kind of things without knowing with the, the religious people, the fundamentalist people, the, the people who are not ready to change themselves. They just created the cloud, they created the confusion at the names of the religion and put us in the, in, in, in the, in the, in the bubble of the confusion, dilemma, uh, and, and pushing back us. That means the entire global community. What do you think are the impact of practicing this harmful uh, Masriya taboo? How can we fix it? I know you said earlier that we are believing in wrong story, that if we do not follow these kind of practices, we will have crazy consequences that we don't want to go through that. So we believe in those story that the God said or the community member said, and we try to follow those practice because of out of fear. And we believe in those story. Our parents tell us, our society tell us. So what kind of different story can we tell? You know, how can we fix it? And who has the power to fix it? Well, um, it is uh, it is um, very easy to fix it, but it, it, it took time or passion. I'm not saying it, it will take a longer time because we are living in 21st century. Um, the um, uh, rampant uh, advancement uh, of the science and technology, so we should not wait for the generation to change the narratives. The first simple thing is, I always said, uh, let's have a dialogue on mensuration, the dignified mensuration. How could we make the dignity? How could we assure the dignity during menstruation? That was the most fundamental questions. For that, we don't need the project or, or money or, or someone to talk about it. The stories of yours, mine, and so many others globally are very important to tell, uh, to build the confidence among the menstruators. These are the very simple formulas. But in, in deeper level, what we should do? To even today, the NGOs who are working on the women empowerment, peace building, or sustainable development goals, they do not know about the menstruation. They also consider that menstrual blood is impure, dirty, collected, um, um, uh, and and. Uh, um, uh, contaminated. That was the narratives we need to change. That means let's change the narratives from impurity to purity. First formula. Second, let's change the narratives from five days bleeding to life cycle approach. From private business to everyone business. From women's issue to a political concern. From charity to human rights concern. And from gender responsive policy to dignified menstruation policy. These are the few uh, statements or narratives we need to change urgently. But for that, it is not easy. First, the individuals, the organizations should have a confidence to fix this issue. How could we bring the um, confidence? For that, we need to understand what is menstruation. The menstruation is just a blood, pure blood that comes from the 
tearing um, from while tearing the inner lining of the uterus which is prepared for having baby due to some reason the baby could not have it there there was no fertilization process that is why the 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 the, the inner lining which is prepared for receiving the baby that was tear off and bleed that means it is a very pure blood that blood is prepared for all of us the prime ministers the president the um, presidents and everyone the priest uh, the pa um, pastor everyone those who are playing the power those who are claiming that they are the purest or pure people these these are all coming from the same menstrual blood and because of the menstruation for last 4 billion years menstruation exists and because of that menstruation this universe is, is exists and moving that is the fundamental statement we need to understand first and second as you asked earlier we need to understand the understand the impact of the taboos restriction how how um, the menstrual uh, silence menstrual taboos put us behind some extent i have already mentioned it is it has a very strong connection with the politics if the menstruators cannot participate in a kitchen or cannot play with their brothers cannot touch with their husband or fathers during the menstruation how could they participate in the group meeting in the village council or parliament globally we keep talking about the women's critical participation in the politics and peace building and it is already more than um, half century but we don't have a significant achievement why because we don't have a confidence those women who elected even they they often fail to show the uh, outstanding performance because they don't have a bargaining capacity because they don't practice at home they consider themselves the impure powerless inferior since home that is why it has a very significant impact at the immediate and the long term level in politics likewise in the economics many people said why why it is there is no connection in the economics or in the finance no there is a strong connection because of the menstrual restriction the girls they cannot continue the education in many places they cannot go to the school and they they fall in trap with the child marriage early marriage or uh, elope marriage or volunteer marriage and and they discontinue the, their career and as a result they could not get the appropriate job uh, for them and they also have other uh, physical problems because of the uh, early child marriage means early child um, early child bearing rearing and so many children there are so many other physical uh, um, reproductive health related issues comes up so and more importantly if the industries are not ready to endorse the dignified menstruation friendly policies they cannot the women cannot go and work in the industry or in in any organization in in sri lanka the company authorities industry authorities asked to use the medicine to stop the menstruation because they they did not allow the menstrual women into the organization in, in into the industry see 
and we have a slogan oh the we have, we, we um, the, the sustainable development goal it says the decent work in 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 the workplace the employment for everyone economical empowerment these all are very interesting very inspiring statements slogans but there is no enabling environment and without having dialogue and dignify cannot bring the economic empowerment or decent work or employment for all so it has very strong connection with the economics and we have already discussed about the social and cultural thing and the health there is a very deeper 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 level of connection with the emotional health mental health many girls commit suicide there is a connection even you can see my 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 story your story also the some how um, the very traumatic um, you consider yourself very dehumanized less than the um, uh, man so that kind of uh, prolonged feeling really pull us back pull us back means not only you and me the more than 50% of this population of this planet is pushing back and if you go further what about the uh, the women's girls with disabilities what about the uh, other marginalized communities like lgbtqi the trans men queers also means rating and and what about their dignity what about their um, uh, uh, enabling environment for living everyday life and what about the pandemics like covid ebola tsunami typhoon uh, earthquake or armed conflict or refugee camp no one talk about it everyone looking for the numbers for the casualties but they are not see they they fail to acknowledgement or measurement the moment we keep dying because of the menstruation so that is why for fixing we need to work at the macro level by endorsing the policies by changing the narratives and at the individual level by having the dialogue on dignified menstruation and that dialogue have to start it by the men obviously it is a um, it is important to start or to initiate by women by trans men by queer but the meantime the um, structurally globally the men are the powerful and this is the high time they have to if they really consider themselves the real men we just celebrate the international men's day and if they really claim themselves as a real men they have to speak on dignified menstruation at home for breaking the silence dismantling dismantle all kind of rumors myth restrictions at home at workplace and everywhere and they have to hold the accountability for creating the dignified atmosphere wherever the menstruators live or work if i can speak for myself i think going through that experience of being away from my family for the first time that i was having my menstruation it was traumatic and i think that the prolonged impact was that i was a very low self esteem person for a long period of my life and i think if we fail to do the groundwork of stop practicing that in our household 
I think we can make a huge impact in a political level as well. So, and I think I also agree with you on having dialogues, you know, while we are on, a, on the subject of having dialogues as a first step to solve this issue, I want to ask you about the first ever Global Dignified Menstruation Conference that you are organizing, what it is about and who is going to be there and why it is important to do such a big global conference. I know you, including your colleagues, have been working extremely hard to make this happen. And I also really want to know if you can tell, why do you pick 8 December as an international dignified menstruation day? Thank you so much. First, let me tell about the dignified menstruation again. Dignified menstruation is a new concept um, on menstrual activism globally. Till 2012, there was no talk, except medical perspective, there was no talk about menstruation. And in 2014, the, menstru the menstruation got attention in UN and few NGOs globally. But they more focus on the hygiene. They created the space for the menstruation, but they more focus on the toilet, water and sanitation or menstrual product. In some extent, it's very important and very good. And I, I appreciate it. They created the space for the menstruation. But these kind of things doesn't guarantee the dignity. So as we discussed earlier, to address all uh, consequences, immediate and long-term consequences, um, the word of dignity or dignified menstruation is a very innovative, very comprehensive, very holistic approach to address all kind of uh, issues uh, around menstruation. And we picked up the December 8th for a couple of reasons. Because the globally, the global community is talking about the sustainable development goals. And there, there are 17 goals. Out of 17, nine goals directly connected with the uh, dignified menstruation. Without having dialogue on dignified menstruation, the sustainable development goals could not achieve. We have a, one uh, decade, it is uh, up to the 2030, we often call the 2030 agenda. If we don't talk about the dignified menstruation, it is not possible to achieve um, the sustainable development goal. This is how it's very important. Second, we need to recall the um, definition of the UN for the sexual and gender-based violence. According to the UN, any kind of harmful act against persons will is considered sexual and gender-based violence, right? So because of the menstrual restriction, taboo, um, uh, discrimination, there are many forms of violences happening every day, every moment. Right now we are talking and 300 million um, uh, menstruators are menstruating every day, every moment. And they face certain kinds of uh, abuses, stigma, taboos all around the world. This November 25 to December 10 is the 16 days activism, which is primarily focused to eliminate the sexual and gender-based violence and promote human rights. That means women's human rights. So if we all believe on the UN's gender-based violence definition, if we believe on 16 days activism, the December 8th or 14th day of 16 days activism is very important to acknowledge the essence of menstruation globally. Regarding the conference, this will be the first conference globally. It will organize on December 8th, 9, 10, it will be virtual. 
it is initiated by the global south coalition for dignified menstruation global south coalition is a global network based in nepal where the friends are working from australia philippines indonesia sri lanka uganda uk mexico america canada and right now for the conference we have solidarity we receive so many um, commitment from many organization networks globally why the dignity is important why should be why should the dignity of menstruators political issue why uh, the dignity should be in center during the multiple pandemics why the dignity of menstruators throughout the life cycle is important so this three day conference entirely uh, exploring the issues gaps challenges on menstrual activism and um, this is very free and open everyone but there should be um, registration there is a online application in the website i encourage every audience to go through it and those who registered right now they will get the zoom id link uh, to registration and uh, because of the time zone uh, um, we, we 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 start uh, 10 um, it past 10 in the morning and we'll close 11:30 so everyone from across the globe they can join in the morning at the middle of the night uh, at the midday this is how we plan and we are very excited and um, um, nandar also is speaking in a um, one most important session uh, we are really working so hard very excited very uh, happy and we are looking forward to um, build the milestone uh, for the dignified menstruation and entire feminism movement i am very much looking forward to the conference day as well and i really appreciate you for having me because for me it is an essential and major topic wherever i go whenever i talk about feminism menstruation is the most important thing that i've always repeatedly talk about i want to end by asking you as you know as you are doing this global uh, conference uh, and i know some of people some of the people who are listening to this will surely register is there a deadline to it please let me know, let us know and i want to know what can young people do to be a part of the solution for dignified menstruation you know because a lot of my audience are young people i want to I want them to be able to have a step that they can follow to be a part of this community the solution maker first there is no deadline but we encourage them to uh, register as early as possible because there is a limited seats and um, uh, the uh, admin will choose the participant based on the region um based on the interest based on the theme that is why i encourage um, the audience uh, to register as early as possible second the role of the youth as you said earlier why do i respect you why you are my inspiration because i see the hope i see the legacy i i see the um, you are the champion you are my inspiration and i can articulate all youth is like you and this is the high time this is the urgent to break the stereotype practices for uh, guaranteeing the dignity of menstruators and they 
could be the leader. And till now, if you see the data, there are so many men and women and others are educated. They have a PhD. They, they are working in a very high um, level in very big organization, but they do not dare to speak about the menstruation. Is our grandmothers, is our mothers. They just accept. That is why we suffer. You suffer, I suffer. Many girls, many daughters, many women are suffering every day. In Africa, in Latin America, in some Northern America, Europe, everywhere. It's not only the you and me, it's everyone business. And for that, I only see the youth. They, they, they are the uh, solution. They are the champion. They are the leaders. They are the future, future shapers. They shape our futures. And today we are living in the, in, in, in the very virtual world. And they can make the impact. That is why we need as many as youth from all corners of the world to make it happen. Thank you so much, Radha Didi, for being with us today. It's such a lovely experience listening to you and learning so many things that you have gone through and you have learned. Uh, thank you for passing your knowledge and experience and also your passion to the young people who are listening to this. Thank you so much, my dear Boini. You are my inspiration. I, 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 I can say millions of times. Uh, keep, keep signing. And um, thank you very much for having me. It's really great um, honor to speak with you and your colleagues. Thank you so much. Have a good day. 